I, I don't know how to follow that, so I'm not going to. Let's just, uh, let's just dive in. All right, sound good? Why don't you get your Bibles out if you have them. Um, if you're a guest with us tonight, I'm Kale. Nice to meet you. That was my brother, unfortunately. So <laughs> apparently he's getting the liking to be on stage from me because I don't think anyone else in our family would even attempt to be in front of people. So, you, Okay, <laughs> okay. Get your Bibles out, get your Bibles out. Last week we were off for Certainty Conference. Um, raise your hand if you got to go to any of the Certainty Conference, just a little bit or some more of it. Oh, awesome, good. Lots of you got to. Did, did any of you guys help out with the Wednesday night child care too? Cool, awesome. Well, yeah, so last week was our Certainty Conference uh, the Certainty Conference is FBC's annual Bible conference, so we just pick a subject every year, and we study it, and it's a good thing. So last year we did prophecy, um, so that really kind of dug into Daniel and Revelation, and this year we talked about, specifically the theme was the preservation of God's Word. So we, we just took a look at God's Word, how it's been preserved for us through the centuries, and how it got to be in your laps today. And so that's what it was about. And so we're, we're going to start a new series next week. We're going to start a, a new four-week series. Um, but I just wanted to take this week, since it's kind of a free week anyway, and just do uh, just a one-time Bible study on the Bible. Okay, Kind of uh, our own Ignite wrap-up to the, the Bible conference, and if, if you weren't at the Bible conference, that's okay. You won't have to know anything that we talked about at the Bible conference for tonight, but I just thought that the entire week, um, one thing kept coming to my mind, uh, and, and that's Psalm 119, and that's what we're going to be studying tonight is Psalm 119. We won't look at a single verse outside of Psalm 119, so it'll be a little bit different than usual, but if you want to open there in your Bible, we'll literally be there the entire time, so you can go ahead and get there. Um, but the reason we're going to get into Psalm 119 is because the, the topic or the theme of that entire psalm is the preservation, or not the preservation, but just God's word in general, okay? And so that's what we're going to see. So if you want to get to Psalm 119, we'll get moving here. But before we begin, I just want to ask you a question. It's the title on the top of your study sheet. Don't answer this out loud. Just keep it in your head, okay? Don't raise your hand. Don't nod your head. Don't open your eyes really big if, if the answer is no. But do you love God's word? That's the question I want to leave you with at the beginning. Think about it. I, I think I know most of your answers, but I want to ask it to you now because at the end of the message, I'm going to ask you the same question, and I wonder if your answer will be the same after we see what Psalm 119 has to say about God's word. So if you're there, if you're not there, we'll have them on the screen because we're going to be jumping around to different verses. So I'm not even going to say the chapter. We're not looking at a single verse tonight outside of this chapter. I know that's weird. It's different. It'll actually make it easier because I'm just going to say verse X, Y, Z. It'll be easy, okay? So Psalm 119, I'm going to give you a little bit of background about this chapter. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in your Bible, if you didn't know that. It is the longest chapter. It has 176 verses. It was probably written by David. Um, it doesn't have his name in the psalm, but if you really wanted to know, you could ask me later, and I could show you why I think it's written by David. Uh, I don't think that's a stretch, and most people don't have a problem with that. Um, the theme of the entire chapter, like I said earlier, is God's word. Of the 176 verses in that psalm, only six of them don't refer to God's word directly. Okay, does that make sense? So there's 176 verses. 
170 of them directly refer to God's word. <laughs> so you could say 176 sentences and only six of them don't directly refer to God's word. That's an incredible thing because it's obvious that the overwhelming theme of this chapter is the word of God. And I'm going to give you a couple of words um, and, and you'll see them over and over again as we're looking at different verses, different words that God uses in this chapter to refer to his word. So you'll see the word commandments, his judgments, the law, his ordinances, his precepts. That's just a fancy word for laws. His statutes, same thing. Testimonies, his ways, his word, his words. All of those words are going to be used to refer to God's word or his words. And so we'll see that. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And if you didn't know this, this is pretty cool. It's actually, uh, as a lot of the Psalms are, and well, I mean, think about what a Psalm is. It's, it's a poem. So Psalm 119 is a poem consisting of 22 stanzas. You see how like each one is kind of in your, if you have a Bible in front of you, you see how it's like broken up into eight verses and then it has a weird little word on top of it with a weird little symbol. It says like Aleph and Beth and Daleth. Those aren't just like ladies' names. Those are the names of Hebrew letters. So Aleph would be like their letter A. Beth would be like their letter B, their second letter. And so what the, th what the deal is with this poem, this is pretty crazy, is that it's written originally in Hebrew. If you were to go to the Hebrew and look, did, whose Bible, and if you have one of the, the Ignite Bibles, I know it does, does your Bible beside Aleph and Beth and, and Daleth and all that have the little symbol, what the Hebrew letter looks like? Raise your hand if you can see it. Okay, if you can't, look at somebody beside you and see if you can see it. That's the symbol for the, for the Hebrew letter. And so if you were to look at Psalm 119 and each verse in Hebrew, the first letter of each verse starts with that Hebrew letter in each stanza. So each stanza is eight verses, and so the ones under Aleph, uh, verses one through eight, each word, or the, the first word of each verse starts with Aleph. It's just a cool thing. So it's not, it's not just awesome because it's God, God's word. It's also poetic, and it's also, it, it was done in such a way that the, that the author, who, who I believe is David, was pouring out his heart, and he was doing it in a poetic fashion. It, it's just an amazing chapter of the Bible, and so if you're ever curious what Hebrew letters look like, that's what they look like. And so each word of each verse might not start with the same English letter, but that's okay. Um, I just wanted you to know that. That's why it seems like it's um, divided into little sections there, is because it's eight stanzas of one long poem. And I'm going to give you what I think, and this is just my opinion. This isn't like, you know, truth right here. It's, it's just my opinion. I think the theme verse would be verse 97, where David says, oh, how I love thy law, with an exclamation point. He's not just stating it. He's exclaiming, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. He just exclaims, God, I love your word. I meditate on it. I think about it. Not just think about it. I meditate on it. I think about it at, at a high level all day long. So this entire chapter is about how David loves God's word. It's not an entire chapter about how David loves God, which he certainly does if you studied his life. It's not an entire chapter about how David loves God's mercies or God's grace or anything like that, although he certainly does. This is a chapter all about how David loves God's word. And so what I want to do tonight is just do a short survey of it, and you could study this and read it on your own. It doesn't take that long to read 176 verses. You could read it tonight, probably in 15, 20 minutes, before you go to bed. I just want to do a short survey tonight and see how David 
viewed God's word. And hopefully what it'll do is give us a better perspective on how we should view and, and hold God's word in our hands today, okay? And then maybe you'll be able to answer that question a little bit differently that I asked at the beginning. Do you love God's word? Because really it's a question of do you love God's word like David loved God's word? Do you love God's word like the Bible says we should love God's word? So number one, we're going to look at three different categories of verses. And again, every single verse we're going to look at tonight is straight out of Psalm 119. So you won't have to hop around the Bible. Number one, we're going to see the promise of God's word in parentheses about God's word. The promise of God's word about God's word. The Bible has many promises in it. If if you were to search through, there's many, many promises in the Bible, which is a great thing. And oftentimes, depending on, uh, you know, if if you're depressed or if you're sad or you're hopeless, whatever, there's so many promises that God gives in his word to you. But what I want you to see just from Psalm 119 is promises that God makes specifically about his word. And so your first blank there, your first bullet point is preservation. Just meaning that God would preserve his word. This book, these scriptures are thousands of years old. How do we know that we have God's word today? And that's kind of piggybacking on what we talked about at our conference. How do we actually know that we have the perfect preserved words of God? Or do we just have some words that certainly have God's words in them or God's thoughts? But can we really truly have all of God's words perfectly preserved? Well, Just looking in one chapter of the Bible, look at what it says. Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord. How long? Forever, O Lord. Thy word is settled in heaven. Here's here's an, uh, an interesting way to think about this. David says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So think about it this way. Regardless of what evil men might do to the scriptures on the earth, the originals are forever saved in the cloud. Heavens, clouds. Does that make sense though? Think about it. So like if you have pictures, printed pictures in your house and your house burns down, you're like, oh no, my pictures are gone. Like my mom. If if you (laughs) were smart and you backed up your pictures digitally to the cloud or some hard drive that's not in your house, they're still somewhere else. Even though the paper has been tampered with. I know that's kind of a corny illustration and it's not even... You can't take it to its full extent and be completely true, but that's the idea. God says, listen, my word is settled forever in heaven. It doesn't matter what evil men do. You know, evil men have tried to burn this book and tried to outlaw this book all over the world for centuries, and guess what? It's still here. You know why? Because God's word is forever settled in heaven, and he will do whatever he wants with it. And he has preserved it for us, and he promised to forever. It's an amazing thing. Look at verse 152. Concerning thy testimonies, talking of God's book, God's laws, God's words, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. God promised to keep his words, to found them, to settle them, to establish them forever. God promised that. And so what it comes down to is a matter of if somebody would say, well, I just don't know if we have all of God's word today on this earth somewhere. I just don't know if we have them. Well, then you don't believe what the Bible says. Because the Bible says, and this is one chapter of this book, I could show you dozens of other places where God promises to. We're just looking at Psalm 119. So do you believe that God's word is here today? Well, it's just a matter of do you believe God's word? Because God's word says it does. And so we believe it by faith that he said that. It's an amazing thing. Next, we have one that is very similar, but we'll say it's slightly different, but is perfection. 
okay, God preserved his word for us today. Is it perfect? Are there errors in it? I heard people tampered with it in the dark ages. You're right. You're right. They tampered with a Bible. You're right. Is it perfect? How do I know I can trust it? Well, we, we saw that God promised to preserve it. But look at these next two verses. I want you to see that God also promised perfection. Psalm 119 and verse 140, it says, Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. It's pure. What do you think of when you hear the word pure? Anyway, I just want to throw something out. If I just say the word pure, don't say God's word or the Bible or Jesus. <laughs> Give me, what, what do you think of? Okay, water. So, so what would be the antithesis of pure water? No. Dirty water. Unfiltered water. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, the opposite. The opposite of, of pure water would be water that's contaminated, right? Water that has contaminants in it that makes it polluted, okay? Um, when I think of pure initially, anybody think of like gold or silver or something like that or jewels, something that's pure? It's a 100% that substance. Pure gold would be 100% gold and no other contaminants or things that make it of less value. And so when David says, and ultimately God is saying through David, that his word is very pure, he's saying it is perfect. I will preserve it forever and it is perfect. Verse 160, thy word is true from the beginning and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Thy word is true. I love verse 160 because it's saying both sides. It's saying perfect and preserved because it says it's true from the beginning, which means he's going to preserve it and it's perfect and he will preserve them because it will endure forever. You, you know what it means when he says that thy word is true from the beginning? It means it's perfect. How many lies can there be in a true statement? Exactly. Don't, don't overthink this. This is very simple. You're going to get out, seriously, some of you guys are seniors, some of you guys are juniors. You're going to get out into college someday and someone is, trying, is going to try and take your faith away from you and take your Bible from you, not physically. They're going to try to get you to doubt that you have God's word in the Bible that you're holding. And if you will simply just take God's word, you don't need to know about manuscripts from Egypt you don't need to know about all of those things that, that make you sound really smart, like codexes or codices or whatever the plural form of codex is. You don't need to know all that. You just need to have faith that what God says is true, and he promised it, and he's God, which, by the way, Titus chapter 1 says God cannot lie. If he lied, he would cease to be God, Right? So if God can't lie and all of his testimonies are true and they are enduring forever, I'm just going to trust that God's right and maybe some smart guy is wrong. That's what I'm going to trust because the Bible says it. God says it to us. He promised it that it would be perfect and pure and true from the beginning and that it will endure forever. You can trust what this book says. Let's keep moving. The function of God's word, number two. So we have the promise of God's word about the word. Now let's look at the function of God's word, or, or let's say some of the functions, because there's many, of God's word in your life today. And these are just functions we see in Psalm 119. You can dig out plenty more from the rest of the Bible. Psalm 119, 9 through 11, these are some of my favorite verses in this chapter, although there's many. We memorize these at camp every year. Verse 9, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? So what's one of the functions of God's word? It's cleansing, sanctification. Sanctification just means to be cleansed. It means to be made holy, to set apart. It's, it's a Bible word. It's a churchy word. You don't have to get off put by that word. It just means cleansed or, or set apart. 
to be made pure, to be made holy. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. David says, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So man, memorizing God's word and hiding it in your heart will help you to stop sinning. If you feel like you've been in a rut and you can't get out of that one secret sin that you've always got, I've, I say it all the time, but listen, if you will just look through the scriptures and find verses about that sin and memorize them in your heart and say them when you're tempted, I'm telling you on the promise of God's word, it will cleanse you. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. But you don't even have to just memorize it. By simply taking heed to God's word, you know what taking heed means? It just means observing and listening and obeying. If you take heed to God's word, it'll cleanse you, verse nine says. That's the power within these pages, guys. This is a living book. This isn't some ancient document that all the scholars would love to pick apart and say, that's not right, that's not right, that shouldn't be in there, that shouldn't be in there. No, this is a living book. This is a dangerous book. And this book will make you clean and it'll make you more like Christ if you'll get into it. Listen, you don't have to clean yourself up for God. You just need to submit to him and heed whatever he says to do. That's how you're cleansed. So this book functions in the purpose of giving you sanctification. And it also serves the function of direction, giving you direction in your life or leading you. So it cleanses you and it leads you. It gives you direction. God's word will cleanse you if you let it. It never forces you. It won't overcome your free will. If you let it, God's word will cleanse you. And likewise, it will lead you if you let it. If you let it. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word is like a light and a lamp. You know, a lamp isn't the brightest thing in the world. It's not like a giant spotlight that shines three miles down the path, but it is a lamp that'll give you enough light to take a few steps at a time. A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And you know what? God's word will lead you down that path if you get in it, if you turn that light on, and if you hold it down by your path and say, God, which step do I take next? But many Christians, they don't do that. They don't do that. They say, I love God, I love God's word, but I'm gonna pick what college I go to. I'm gonna pick my major. I'm gonna pick who I marry. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. But you know what? Yeah, I pray to God every once in a while. Yeah, I read the Bible. I don't know. According to Psalm 119, it's a little more than that. This book will give you cleansing and it will give you direction in your life if you let it, if you take heed to what it says. It, it requires faith. It requires faith. It's not something that will just happen. You have to trust. You have to put your faith in that book because then Proverbs 3, right? Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. But what does it take? It takes trust. It takes faith to do that. Direction, sanctification. These are two of the function of God's word in your life. But like I said, if you never read it, if you never get in it, if you never meditate on it and, and soak it in, it can't do either of those two things. God's word can only cleanse you and lead you if you allow it to. And to do that, you gotta read it. 
So if you, this is a promise from God's word. If you give time to God and his word and you allow it to work in you, you will see some radically awesome things happen. And number three, you'll see some amazingly wonderful results. And I'm gonna list some of the, and this is honestly the bulk of the chapter and we'll go through these pretty fast, don't worry. We're, we're not gonna sit here and dissect every single one of these references. I just wanted to give you a, a large amount so you can see how much this chapter refers to God's word and the results of God's word inside of you if you'll let it in. And the first thing is you'll love it. Like David loved it. If you read, I, I challenge you, man, go home tonight before you go to bed and read Psalm 119. Read the whole thing, all 176 verses. You're a big boy, you're a big girl. Take 15 minutes, read a book. You can do it, put your phone down. Read Psalm 119 and count how many times. If, I mean, you don't have to literally write it down, but just count how many times David talks about loving. I'll give you a bunch of them. One, one, Psalm 119, 97. Oh, how I love thy law. We saw that already. Verse 113. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. 127. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold. Yea, above fine gold. He loved it more than money. Ooh, how many Americans can say that nowadays? Well, we can say it, but who means it? Verse 140, thy word is very pure, therefore my, thy servant loveth it. 159, consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. Man, David loved God's word. Do you love God's word like that? Because if you will let God's word get into you, and function as it properly should, this will be a fruit, this will be a result of God's word working in you. You'll love it. Not only will you love it, you'll desire it. Verse 40, behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Not, it, David didn't get up in the morning and say, well, I gotta get to work, but I didn't read my Bible. Okay, uh, good, oh, we're just in, we're in Chronicles, so I can just skim this one. No, David longed for God's word. He longed for it. Verse 24, thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Verse 35, make me to go in the path of thy commandments for therein do I delight. Verse 47, I will delight myself in thy commandments which I have loved. Verse 77, let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live for thy law is my delight. By the way, David didn't have Psalms. He was writing them. <laughs> David didn't have the New Testament. And John 3, 16, and Philippians. You know what he had? He literally had the law. <laughs> and he loved it. He loved Leviticus, man. And Numbers, and whatever Habakkuk says. Like, he loved that stuff. Isn't that incredible? He loved his law. He delighted in it. Look at verse 143. Check this one out. Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me. You know, not all times, even when you love God's word, are rainbows and unicorns. Yet, thy commandments are my delights. Oh, David says, listen, even when everything around me is going south, trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy law, thy commandments are my delights. 174, I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. He delights in it, he loves it, um, he desires it. Now this next one might seem a little bit weird, but it's true, and it makes sense if you s think about what we just looked at. But if you love God's word and you desire it and you delight in it, naturally the next result will be that you hate what goes against it. Verse 104, through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate 
every false way. 113, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Verse 128, therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Verse 163, I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. You didn't know the word hate was in the Bible. How about four times in the same chapter? Check that out. Well, hate's a strong word, isn't it? Yeah, it is. We should probably pay attention when God's using it. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say hate people, right? Does it say that one time? No. It doesn't say hate a political party. Well, I think some of us need to hear that. All of us who regurgitate what we might hear our parent or favorite adult on Facebook say. It doesn't say you hate a country or hate a race or hate authority. No, Look at what it does say. I hate every false way. I hate vain thoughts. I hate false ways. I hate lying. It's saying I hate evil because it goes against God's word. You need to understand this today. If you truly love something, that means you will hate some things. It's just a natural result of love. Let me give you one that might I mean, this doesn't have to make you feel awkward. It's just true. I love my wife, and you know what? That means I hate rape. I hate it. It's not, no, I'm not a fan. No, I hate it, because that is something that goes against my wife. I didn't say I hate rapists, although it would come really close in my flesh. I hate rape. It's evil. It defiles things that are pure. I love my son, so I hate anything that would try to harm him. I love you guys. So you know what? I hate anything that would try to corrupt you or your youth or your innocence. And that's why I get fired up sometimes. Because if you truly love something, it means you have to hate other things. If you don't hate anything, then I submit that you don't love anything either. Or at least not in a biblical sense. Maybe in a 2018, I love my wife and I love tacos sense. David says, I love your word, God, so I hate every false way. I hate everything that goes against your way. I love your word, God, so I hate vain thoughts. I hate thoughts that come into my head that are against your word. God, I love your word because it's truth, and therefore I hate all untruth, and therefore I hate lying. See how that works? All from Psalm 119. Okay, I know you got a lot left, but this is just going to be rapid fire because they're all Psalm 161 through Psalm 168. I love this little chunk here, this, this stanza. If, if you love God's word and you let it get into you and you delight in it and you desire it and you hate things that go against it, you know what will happen? You'll, you'll become in awe of it. Verse 161, princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. You'll rejoice in it. 162, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. 164, you'll praise God for it. Seven times a day do I praise thee. Why? Because of thy righteous judgments. He praises God for his word. Verse 165, you'll get peace through it. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Hear that? Whatever generation you are, I know you guys aren't technically millennials. Whatever you are, Gen X, Y, Z, millennials, someone's listening on the recording. You hear that? Great peace have they who love thy law result and nothing shall offend them. Oh my, the generation who is offended by everything. My goodness. I was listening to sports talk radio today. 
and the Browns have a coach who has won two games in two and a half seasons. And so he gets criticized a lot. And someone called in and said, you know what, you guys criticize Hugh Jackson a lot. I think that's pretty racist. I'm offended by that. Oh my, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Because a man does bad at his job, it's racist. It's, it's, we're the generation who is offended by everything. And you know what, it's funny when we hear it about other things that are obviously stupid. But man, we should check our own hearts. Do we get offended when that friend that doesn't agree with every single political viewpoint on Twitter or Facebook says something we don't agree with? Does it offend us? Or can we get past it because we have the peace of God because we love God's word? Peace through it. And lastly, man, when you start getting into this book and letting it get into you and you love it and you desire it and you long for it and you delight in it and you hate everything that's against it and you're in awe of it and you praise God for it and you have peace through it, guess what? You're gonna be obedient to it. Verse 166, Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. I feel like someplace in the Bible says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, right? I have done thy commandments. 167, my soul hath kept thy testimonies and I love them exceedingly. 168, I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies for all my ways are before thee. That's the results of truly getting into and truly loving God's word. And by the way, these are just some of the results that will happen to you if you submit yourself to this book. Oh, and by the way, that's just one chapter. We haven't left Psalm 119 tonight. That's, can you ima- look at all that stuff that we covered in one chapter, in one psalm. Can you imagine what's in the rest of this book? If you would read it. Man, just read this thing. It'll change your life. Now, after seeing all that and seeing how David feels about God's word in a time where he didn't even have the New Testaments, the fun ones, let me ask you again, and again, don't answer out loud. Do you love God's word? Do you love God's word? Oh, I love God. Do you? Do you love God? But you never pick up his word? Now, I, I bet many of you guys in here have boyfriends and girlfriends. I'll say I have no opinion on the matter, but... Many of you have boyfriends and girlfriends and dare say that you probably like them. I am sure that you don't love them, right? But you do like them. You're fond of them. I bet that I don't have to remind you once a week to text or call or communicate with them. Huh? No. I, I don't have to say on Wednesdays, oh, by the way, you need to text your girlfriend. You know, she wants to hear from you. <laughs> She'd like to talk to you. I, I don't have to, hey, you should, you should text your boyfriend. He hasn't heard from you in a while. Well, you... Okay, you say you love God, but I gotta get up here every Wednesday and make a fuss about getting in God's word and letting him talk to you for 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day? Man, guys, most of us spend more time on that on YouTube, scrolling through our phone while we take a poop. Let's just be honest. I mean, seriously, let's just be real. Let's just be real in 2018. We can't find 15 minutes, but man, this phone... And this tablet and that TV, I'm telling you, we got to be careful which rectangles we let rule our lives. This rectangle will do a lot of good. These rectangles, you know what they do? They corrupt your mind with whatever the guys on that internet want you to believe. 
And if you spend a bunch of time on Twitter and on YouTube and on television and on Instagram hours and hours a day and you never get in this book, Christian, you know what you're going to start to look and sound and smell like? You're going to look and sound and smell like the world. Not like God. But that book will cleanse you. Right? That book will lead you if you let it. Most of us hold our our phones up to our path to see where we're going. We don't consult God's word once. Man, what incredible God we serve, though. I mean, think about it. How incredible is it that the God who created the universe thousands of years ago spoke to us, and he wrote it down, and he preserved it throughout the years. And the dark ages that lasted over a thousand years was solely trying to wipe this book out and get it out of the hands of the common people. And we saw during the conference last week how men of God slaved away and were burnt at the stake for translating this book into English so that the common man could read it. I believe it was William Tyndale, I don't know because I'm freestyling right now, but I believe it was William Tyndale who said that his goal was to make it so that every plowboy in England could read God's word, and yet we have it on our bookshelf, and God help us, we have it on our cell phones, and we never open it. Never open it. Did you guys know that this book came to you tonight from thousands upon thousands of bloody hands throughout the years that the enemy has slaughtered trying to get this book out of the common man's hand? And it turns out in 2018, all he had to do was get us uninterested in it and get us to doubt that we even have it. He's done a number on it, but we have it. God communicated with you, he wrote it down, and he gave you all the things that you need for life, and for purpose, and for peace. He wants to talk to you. Will you answer? If you truly love God, and you truly love his word, you'll see results in your life, I'm telling you. And you know what, the reason that I'm preaching this message tonight is because it hit me this week at the Certainty Conference. We, we, can, we can start off our Christian walk with great intentions and, and, and good purposes, but you know what? Sometimes life just gets to us and the world gets to us and we just lose a little bit of our flame. We lose a little bit of our passion. Guys, we need to rekindle. We need to, excuse me, ignite. We need to reignite our passion for God's word, for his book. That's what makes you different from the world, Christian. That's what makes you different from the world. And when you spend time in it, It will bear fruit in you, and that fruit will be obvious. It will be evident, not only to the world, but to everyone, and it'll be evident to yourself as well. So let me just leave you with this practical challenge. Will you make time to spend with God each day? Make an appointment in your phone calendar, if you have to, that you will keep every day, and you will feel bad about letting God down when you miss it, because other things are too important. I need to do this too. We all need to, we need to make God a priority and spending time with him a priority. Not only because he is a real person who died for you and gave his son for you, yes, of course, but listen, all the things that this book can do in and through your life if you'll simply open the pages. It's not just a book of history, it's a book of life change. So let me just challenge you to make it a priority in your life every day to get into it. Start tonight. Like I said, go home, read Psalm 119 and just meditate on how much David loved God's word and ask God, pray afterward, oh God, forgive me. I've lost the passion. I need to love your word again. God, I come to you tonight and 
Lord, I thank you that you're a graceful and merciful God because I've frequently done this over my Christian life, has lost my passion, lost my zeal for you and for your word. And luckily, you don't lose your passion or your love for me at all, even though I do. So Father, thank you for being a loving Father, a God who loves us unconditionally. And God, I just pray that tonight, even though maybe it was, it was hard to hear at some points, I just pray that those of us in here who heard it, God, heard it with an open heart and open ears and are willing to think about what we need to do to prioritize our time in the word, not just because it's a chore. It wasn't a chore for David to read your word. It wasn't a chore for him to obey your word. He loved it. He desired it. He delighted in it. He was in awe of it, and he obeyed it willingly. So, Father, I pray that we would be more like David. We'd search our hearts. Let you search our hearts, and like David says in another psalm, see if there be any wicked way in me, and God, just cleanse it. Father, reignite that passion for you and your word in our hearts. And if there's anyone in here, God, who's never had that passion, then maybe they aren't even a Christian. Maybe they, they, they aren't saved. Father, I pray that they would see how important it is from just one chapter in your book, that they would dive into it and see more of what your book has to say because it has so many great things to say. It offers a way of life. It offers eternal life to all those who will simply call upon your son's name. Father, forgive us. We're, we're Laodiceans, we're carnal. Even though we're Christians, we're reborn, but we're still fleshly. And so God, forgive us when we walk astray. God, lead us back to the path. Help us to, to, to look for guidance and direction from your word. And God, do what Psalm 119, 9 through 11 says and, and cleanse us through your word, Lord. Make us more like you. Make us more in love with you and your word each and every day. It's in your name that I pray.